Welcome to the Kingdoms Insider Podcast. I am Craig McCarroll, joined by my beautiful wife, Andrea McCarroll. We're here to share some things about our kingdom that we have going on here in the modern day world of the modern day Brady Bunch. I'm the co the founder and creator of Guns and Fitness. It's a fitness and nutrition program with some mental uh, ninja stuff that makes you a little bit stronger to help everything out in this roller coaster of a life. Andrea, would you please introduce yourself and let us know what you're up to? Hey guys, thanks for coming back and listening to another episode as we um, build both of our companies and our brands um, from the ground up as we podcast all about it. Why um, on, our, on the personal side of the fence, we have a blended family. Craig has two children and I have a son from a previous relationship and we... Um, have kind of both have the similar backgrounds as far as our upbringing and how we were raised. And for some reason, we have been able to align with each other and kind of feel the exact same way on how we want to parent our kids. And so that is the topic of today's episode is all about us co-parenting our blended family by our own rules. So every episode, we like to start off with a question to get to know the host. And so this um, question this week is going to be, um, what motivates you, Craig, or drives you in your decision-making process? Is it A... I, I make my decisions with the back thought of, I love to prove people wrong or B, I love doing every opportunity I can to lift myself up and, um, prove myself right. Um, I will go with option C. I like to yeah. prove people wrong and myself right. Uh, no, seriously. See, I don't, he's a rule breaker. <clears throat> honestly, it's like, uh, I think the biggest, the best way for me to answer that question would be, I don't really care too much about what other people are thinking, but I do care about that. Um, I care about the outcome the most. And so whether that's proving someone right or proving myself right or proving the other person wrong, it doesn't really matter. But if you challenge me and say that it can't be done, guaranteed, I will say, screw you. I will figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that a good enough answer? <laughs> I wanted option C in there. Well, you always have – you always – I guess there's always a certain category in your life, maybe, that you're always like, F you, watch this. And there's always ones like, no, this is an opportunity for me to, you know, move past my fears and push myself even further than before and kind of prove myself right type of thing. Yeah, I don't. But I think, like, with kids, it's so hard, especially with as big family and as, as, words are so hard today, as involved as we are with our family's life and vice versa, you know, we have so much outside influence and I look to my sisters for so much advice and all of our situations are all so different. I have sisters that have been married multiple times, a sister that's been married once. I have, you know, I have, you know, just kind of different situations throughout my family. So I call upon my sisters and moms and stuff for different areas in that category. But to answer the question, I guess I used to definitely say I had so much to prove because I had a kid, you know, super young, everybody, I kind of always let those insecurities of nobody thinks I can do this by myself. And I have to have my family there to help me babysit and all that kind of stuff. So I think before 
the past two years when I went on my little self-improvement journey, I would have definitely said that it was to prove people wrong. And now it's, I think it more along the lines of how I make my decision, especially when it comes to kids and my relationships. It's always about staying true to myself and lifting myself up um, and taking it as an opportunity to prove myself right. That so you thought you could do this and now you know you can do this. So especially where kids are so hard, you know, there's some days that when your head hits that pillow, you're like, holy shit, I cannot believe I did that. I'm so glad today is over. I'm so glad that I get, you know, another day tomorrow to redo it. Um, but as hard as it is, there's so many times we're looking back on the things that we've gone pat through the past two years. I'm like, I can't believe we went through that. And we're still married and our kids are alive and they're not completely screwed up just emotionally. Um, but I can't believe I did it. I was able to do it. I was able to stay positive and strong and not let it destroy me. So, and especially in the situations that we've been been handed or gifted it's uh one thing to be a family that's raising kids between the two of you that you made between the two of you and then it's a whole nother story to be able to raise another kid that came from another guy and then a, two other kids that came from a different girl and then be able to love them and all the same that's that's a a uh I don't know, it could be a recipe for disaster or a recipe for gifts of growth. Yeah. I think that if we're talking mainly about what, you know, raising kids and how we're going to make that happen and whether you're trying to prove somebody right or or prove yourself right or wrong or whatever, I think that ultimately for me, the standpoint is, is the outcome going to get these kids to where they like and respect themselves and I want my kids to always know that there is nothing in this world that they cannot accomplish. So whatever, if you can imagine it, you can achieve it. Yeah. So today's episode, we come to you very vulnerable. Um, those that viewed our pilot, our first one, we kind of introduced um, our backstory, how we met, where our kids came from. So if you kind of want the backstory on the very beginning of our relationship, you can tune back to that episode. So we're not going to get into the beginning stages, just kind of what's, um, made us into the parents that we are today and kind of the things that we're currently going through. It's one, reason why we started this podcast was to have somebody to relate to, to have somewhere to go, kingdomsinsider.com, and um, write your story. We can share it on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about your unique situation and, you know, get that credibility or that warm and fuzzy that you're not alone. There are so many times throughout our custody battle and the things that were happening to my stepkids, I felt so alone and the things that they were coming to me and asking me for, I had no resources. I had no idea how to help these kids. I had no idea how much attention they needed and how much, you know, neglect my son was feeling because these two kids needed so much of my attention. And then the mom guilt that set in and treating them different and stuff like that. It was just such a lonely place for me. So that's one of the reasons why we started this is because there's, Blending family is hard, and for some reason, it's a really rough topic that nobody wants to talk about raising other people's kids. A lot of people don't want to stand up on that stool and be like, yeah, I'm a step-parent. And some people are like, I don't like to call myself a step-parent. I'm their parent. But it's like... I try really hard to make sure that I spend enough time in the kids' shoes looking through their lens and spending enough time looking through the parents' lenses. And yeah, we want to always treat them equal as far as how I treat my son, but they don't 
they don't feel equal no matter what. So it's kind of a really hard balancing act, but I'll let you kind of get into um, the things that kind of shaped us into being on this journey and wanting to do this podcast in regards to the parenting side of it. Okay, so we started off where we um, we were dating everything, got married, and then we had, I was basically um, a week on, week off type of parent, and I would deploy uh, every every couple months, I'd be gone for two to three months. And then that ended and um, ended up being some situ- some circumstances took place and the uh, their mom wasn't as healthy as they should should have been and the kids are now in in our care a hundred percent of the time so we went from uh, part time dad to full time dad and from bonus mom to you're going to be a full time mom with these kids that are not yours, but yeah, I so want I you to pretend just, like they are. <laughs> yeah. And that make them believe it. And it kind of happened so gradually too. I mean, it was when you were gone so much, we had really no idea what was going on just because their time here under our roof was so temporary. And it was, you know, they just made the best of it. They knew that they were going back. My son is here full time and goes every, um, a day or two on the weekends. So it's, you know, he has had the most consistency and so with Craig's two kids it was it was almost like they were just coming over and visiting their relatives and making the best of it throughout that week I mean there was two weeks of trying to be okay with our rules and structure and we saw the struggle and we thought it was just because you know we had bedtimes and stuff and we knew their mother didn't think that those type of things were a priority for her lifestyle and so we um have like two days of adjustment there. And then we had two days that we really got to enjoy them. And then there was like the last two days where they were preparing mentally and emotionally to go back to a different world. And so you see these struggles in these kids and then stories started coming out and she was, you know, drinking more and drinking more. And there was DUIs involved. And, you know, Lexi was stranded on the side of the road in the mountains with her mom. And, um, had to go, you know, hang out in the cop station. And she was so terrified. She never told us we had to find out through, I don't remember how we found out. Well, it was like, um, so even a little more detail to that is that where, where I was deployed all the time and they, I had a lot of disconnect with my kids and my kids are having to kind of adapt to that situation. And a father that's really gone all the time. And then, uh, come to find out their, their mom's feeding them some bullshit in their heads that, you know, dad's just an absent father. He doesn't care as much because of, because he's gone. All I'm doing is trying to make a living and guys out there can understand that sometimes that pulls you away, especially if you're in the service or if you're in contracting world like that. So we come back and we're all involved and I'm thinking everything is fine. Um, going over there, it's a, it's a shit show every time to get my kids, but it is what it is. And, Fast forward to this DUI coming out. It was, we were, I was coming home to stay home and I needed to lower the child support because I was making a lot less money. That's what it was. And so we had to, she wouldn't just lower the child support and be good with it. She wanted to come after me for more money when I'm not making as much. So we well, had to turned go into court. more money. Yeah, it turned into like, hey, I, I'm making half the income that I was before. You know, I can't really support you in your lifestyle anymore. We need to kind of, you were really good about coming together and letting her know and not just hitting her with, this is how much I can afford type of thing. It was, you know, you were 
letting her know what was going on because you know her dependency on that child support and that money. You know, she's just, she's just a hairdresser. So she has this, you know, life on the go and total different lifestyle. And so she's up and down and self-employed. And so we knew the dependent on that. So we did give her a heads up. We tried to let her know and it turned into her wanting full custody and then she wanted more child support and then trying to prove and contact the, our employers and the people that we worked with and trying to send people in there to investigate our ownership and our involvement with the company to really find out how much money we were making. And it was just crazy. And then through all this thing, we found out that she got a DUI with Lexi in the car in a different valley up in the mountains. That was and kind of by chance that you fell upon this yeah. research or whatever And so we, and you know, we had Lex and we pulled her in. We're like, what's going on? And she's just devastated, devastated, traumatized. It's the first time this little, you know, nine-year-old or eight-year-old at the time was able to even talk about it. And she has been holding this in from us for so long because her mother... And Levi was too. Yeah, and Levi, because they were told that, you know, if your dad finds out about this, he will take you away from me, you know? And this little girl's been holding this secret and this illusion that she, her mother painted in her head of what happened. And wasn't that fun? You got to go see the puppy at the cop station. And the neighbors came over and weren't they nice? Like, she was just so good at painting this. And so hearing it come out of this little eight-year-old you know, devastated version of the story was so heartbreaking. And that was really our first, like, holy shit, what is really truly going on yeah. there? Because if this is able to happen, we're not able to find out about it. Um, I just stumbled upon it. And then, you know, what else are these kids hiding? And so then we kind of just started talking to them more and more going back and forth. Like, you know, how'd you spend your week? And, you know, half the time Levi wasn't even there at his mom's. He was spending the night on couches and she was dropping them off and picking them up. And, you know, he's had a cell phone and social media since he was like seven years old. So she's just kind of let him have a phone just so he can go and do whatever he wants. And then she just picks him up and make sure that he's not starving, I guess, every once in a while. Yeah. So we kind of started figuring out the lifestyle more and more and more. And really, and even then we weren't saying, we want these kids, even though we knew what was kind of starting to go over there. We knew that the deal was 50-50, and we never argued. We always were there on yeah. time to uh, give the during the exchange. And I know a lot of people out there that deal with this kind of stuff, that sometimes there's always one that doesn't want to make the exchange uh, easy on you. So <laughs> whether that's – it's not up to the kids. It's up to those parents to, to keep uphold their obligations. One thing I want to say real quick is that – we try our best to keep this at a uh, at a minimal level of conversation. So that's why we've led to this podcast to talk about these kind of situations. We designate this time to talk about these kind of situations and so that it's not overwhelming our life because anybody that ha- lives in our type of situation, you can you can let those type, the X's consume your life and they yeah. become part of your everyday conversation. And you're like, wait a second, I feel like I'm in a relationship with this person again. And I'm not, I don't want that. So we've designated, and that's what's led us to this podcast. And we are having raw conversations on this. And sometimes through this, we have little breakthroughs while we're having these conversations with you guys. And, you know, for starters, like we went, to pick up where we left off on that conversation where they were, we started finding out all this stuff going on with, with their mom. And 
then all of a sudden, you know, exchanges are terrible. That I'm getting emails right before exchange time. The kids don't want to come see me. They don't want to be at my house. They don't like it here, blah, blah, blah. And finally, I'm just like, after multiple times of this, I said, fine, if I'm not here to for, I'm here to help my kids and give them what they want and the life that they want. I'm not here to make their lives miserable. I said, okay, fine. They can stay there. And that was, I went for five months where I didn't even talk to my son. My son shunned me anytime I saw him. It was probably the most heartbreaking thing I've ever been through. And then when, but my daughter is still coming over and spending time. So now we go through that five month period where all we're seeing is Lexi we had a great summer last summer. I was really sad that Levi missed out on a lot of it. And then we went to uh, October 31st, Halloween night, and um, I get a call. We're out trick-or-treating. Of course, Lexi and Gavin are with us, and we're trick-or-treating. And I get a call from the police that – well, first I get a call from Levi on his phone panicking, and then it gets hung up. And so I'm already – in route, make my way over to where his look. I think his location is at. <clears throat> and, um, then I get a call from the cops. Cops tell me there's been an altercation in between his mother and him. I, I race over there. He's been, uh, beat up pretty bad by his mom. And now ever since October 31st of 2016, the date sticks out in my head very vividly <laughs> and will I'll probably will forever. Well, Halloween will never be the same for us or yeah. for our kids because of that traumatic experience, you know, with that. Well, I don't think it's going to be the same for him ever again. No. Like he will, that will be marked in his brain forever. But so then from then on out, we've had the kids full time and we've had to do lots of uh, psychology help and um, and different stuff like that. But we have... Uh, that's kind of the situation we're in right now. And so now we're adapting to that and being able to, we get, we get the opportunity to be the most influential on these kids as possible. And the one thing that we've, we're having struggles here and there where, um, you know, the, some, they've made bad decisions, which all kids are going to make bad decisions. But the biggest thing, I think we're hypersensitive to those bad decisions is that we don't want to see anything grow from there. We wanted to nip it in the butt right now and do the best we can to uh, teach him the right from wrong and be able to grow from there. Right. Yeah. And it was just so surprising when they were submerged here in our lifestyle. You know, we knew that we had to make the transition extremely gentle on them because, you know, we believe in chores and housework and pulling your own weight. And we decided, sorry guys, and we need to, you know, do certain things to make sure that your room is clean and laundry and you know, all these things kind of just around. We're like, holy shit, our life, their life was so different. They never changed their sheets. They they don't make their bed. They don't do their laundry. They just go buy new clothes. The structure and, was no structure. And you just, and you don't little. realize how bad it was until, you know, we spent two months just in tears and with our mouth open, like, Oh, this is something new. Oh, you don't do this. Or brushing the teeth is a, a war. It's a, it's a battle just to get them in there and the lying and manipulating and the association that they have with telling the truth was the most heartbreaking thing. I think, um, 
they had so much trauma and that's what all the common theme with all the psychiatrists that we took them to too was they have so much trauma when it comes to telling their truth because they either got beat um, abandoned or shunned for telling the truth and letting them know, you know, telling their mom how they really feel about something, or they were so worried about hurting her feelings or whatever it was. But every single time they lied, they got so much pleasure and so rewarded for it that it's like it, it's been 10, eight years of them learning this type of synapsis in their subconscious that we, we knew that this was going to be the biggest struggle for us. And so just, you know, the past couple months, we've just, it's kind of all started coming back, um, with those behaviors. And it's almost like it's second nature to these kids and where they, they're so fearful of telling the truth. And even though Craig and I were like, okay, we'll just set this rule in place with, if you tell us the truth, the truth will set you free. So we started finding things and, you know, the grades started going to crap and all these things kind of started going downward. Um, we were like, we have to put new rules in place. We have to come up with some different strategies to pay them for the grades, not pay them for doing their chores and keeping their rooms clean. Um, we need to make sure that if they tell us the truth, there's no consequence. And I know you guys probably think that's crazy, but it was almost like we had to do something so drastic for them to want to do it because Because everybody is going to make mistakes. Everybody makes bad decisions. But the one thing is, is if you're always honest, you know, there might be, you you may be disappointed, but I'm not going to punish you if you are straight up honest with me. If you preemptive come in and tell me, Hey, I screwed up and I did this, who would not forgive that? Because you're going to forgive them no matter what. It's just a matter of how much are you going to be able to trust them still? Yeah. So one thing that they're still going through with their mom that is kind of hard for us is, you know, she still doesn't say, you know, she's sorry. And, you know, Lexi said the other day that kind of hit me like a freaking truck was she's like, yeah, my mom says things like, um, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Or I feel so bad that you guys had to go through that. Instead of saying, I'm so sorry, I did that to you. And Lexi picks up on those type of things. She has that mental clarity now where she's like, my mom really doesn't feel bad or feels like she did it, you know, through that whole entire court case and that felony injury to a child that she was fighting and the marks on his neck from her knee and on his chest and on her forearm across his neck until he was going to pass out. I mean, all of that stuff, she never once really felt bad about it. She was just saying he was out of control and I was trying to contain him. And it was even, you know, almost two years now. And she's, these kids still haven't heard that she wants to make sure that she never does anything like that to them again. She just kind of feels bad that they went through that because she thinks that's what they want to hear. And it's one good thing that we've been able to see that clarity in them, that they know how to pick up on sincerity. They know how to pick up on oh, that's too bad that happened to you, or I can't believe I hurt you like that. And these kids have kind of been exposed to that different world on just the way that you verbalize a mistake. And so that was something that was that's happened, I think, that I was like, okay, that only took two years almost for them to kind of start looking at things that way and knowing that, you know, it, it sucks when you hurt people and it sucks when you do the wrong thing, but, I mean, the benefit of just being honest and able to move on the very next day, then lie. And then you'll try to come up with another lie and another lie and another lie. And it extends for months. And so these kids have, you know, been through a lot and they're, you know, starting to want to move on with their lives and they're starting to be their own people. And, you know, 
have different feelings and emotions and we're going into this, you know, and Halloween will be two years. Mm -hmm. So we've been um, trying to figure out how to raise these kids. And I think hopefully that this is the most awkward transition period for them because we're trying to figure out how to let them be their own kids because kids grow up so much faster. Lexi wants to grow up so much faster than I ever did when I was 10. And, well, and I think that's just the exposure they've had in their life. They've, and one thing positive from the exposure they've had in their life is they can adapt and overcome in yeah. most situations that where other kids would feel really uncomfortable. You can, you can put these kids into pretty much any situation and they're going to, they can, they can adapt. See the best, make the best of it, and yeah. still have fun. And they can, they're able to walk away with some of the craziest memories from these situations. And you're like, that wasn't, that was cool for you? <laughs> like, you know, it's like those exercises that you see and those people show these kids, those pictures of a hoarder's house versus, you know, a pottery barn house that's extremely um perfect and structured and modern furniture, not a speck of dust, not one thing on the countertops. And, you know, you ask the kids what house they want to live in and they all pick the hoarder's house because the hoarder's house looks fun. And the other house looks structured and boring and there's nothing to do and the furniture is not comfortable and things Me like as that. as a kid, and, I would definitely pick that Yeah, one, you were very different. And I, I think was, that's probably <laughs> the issue. Is I can't understand. You dusted every crap. day and organized your stuff and like it was just, it's so weird. So... You're hard to compare to as a kid. But how do you think, because this is one thing that like, now you understand our situation of these kids and you can already tell that how much focus goes on Levi and Lexi and then how we can, how do you still bring Gavin into here and how can he learn from this situation and what is, what have you picked up on since we've been, since he's been exposed to this kind of stuff and I know get or no Levi tells him everything. Yeah. And what do you think? What has been the changes? What have you think things that you've seen that, that are positive out of it? And, um, what are some, maybe some negative things and then sandwich it back with the positive. So we're making a positive sandwich. What is a positive thing you've seen? What's a negative thing or something that you would like to see different and then end it with a positive. Are you asking me? You want me to answer? I'm asking you. Oh, because we get, we, one we of the, get, one we of the get positive... sucked into the Levi and Lexi story and we'll go down that rabbit hole for a while and then you realize like, oh man, we, we've yeah, that's what I was, over here. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Like it's so hard because I dealt with so much mom guilt because I was trying to figure out how to be a step parent because I didn't really have to do that before. I was just able to just be a fun stepmom and just try to make the best the of it. Mom. Yeah. And it was fun. And they called me bonus mom and it was just, that's what it was. And, um, and so I think the biggest shift was I was having all that mom guilt for so long, but one of the positive things that I guess, I know what I want to say the negative and the positive at the end, but <laughs> the first the sandwich doesn't have to be perfect. This, uh, the, the first positive I think was Gavin's exposure just to chaos and him to, I mean, it was almost like he jumped on the structure wagon when he saw these kids come back and start living with us full time. He saw how chaotic their life was and how unhappy and how miserable Levi was. And he kind of made him kind of up his game when it came to his responsibility. And he just kind of wanted to be there. I mean, he was so heartbroken when Levi didn't come back. He's like, they're like 
nine months apart. Six, yeah, they're like six best months friends. Apart. So they're like buddies, and they. You know, so Gavin was really, really, really heartbroken. And my biggest fear with Levi ever one day coming back was Gavin's like me. He's not going to be able to put his wall down. But it was like the night it happened, I couldn't get him to even go to sleep. He was like, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back? And he was able to just, you know, not have any walls up and open, you know, see Levi the next morning with open arms and be so incredibly worried, sincerely worried about somebody and I've never really seen him have to do that before. He's never really been exposed to any kid ever really going through anything. You know, yeah, like he never went. He it. never went through a divorce. He never went through a split home. He never went through. I mean, it was always like, "This is your dad's house. This is my house." Since he was had his very first memory, so he didn't even have any trauma with that whole thing. So Levi and Lexi's situation was so eye opening up for him. Um, and then the negative part was for me, I guess, personally was the questions I started getting asked about, um, women being passed out and drunk and, you know, is this rape and, you know, their curiosity as they're going through like puberty classes and they're learning about girls and women as it is. And so when Levi starts opening up about all these stories and these men, you know, kicking him out of the house and making him sleep certain in certain areas of the house. So, you know, him and his mom could do things and didn't even know these men. And, you know, just exposing Gavin's never even had those thought processes. And so that was really kind of heartbreaking for me is I wanted to keep that innocence from him as a mother job of protecting his innocence and letting him be a kid. Yeah. And I just like even shows, even movies, I still cover his eyes. I don't want him to see men and women doing those type of things. And so and Levi and Lexi have been so exposed to literally everything as they, knew they the, lived they knew on the Ted song. When I came back from a deployment one time, the movie by Ted. Heart. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Levi watching movies like Deadpool and Levi's just exposure to things. And so he kind of, I don't know if it makes them feel mature, but they, we moved them into the same room and they wanted bunk beds and all this stuff. And so yeah, I moved them into the same room. And best friends. They were doing samurai swords out in the garage and it was not just, really. Just they, <laughs> they had these talks at night that, you know, I caught myself sitting up there in the hallway, just listening to these conversations and listening to the things that Levi was exposing Gavin to. And I was, it was just found myself in tears. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel bad for him and tell him to shut up or, you know, talk to your dad about this or go see a psychiatrist. This is why you have a psychiatrist. These are the stories you need to be telling them, not Gavin. And, you know, and so just kind of seeing the heartbreak that was in Gavin and his exposure was, I guess was the only negative is I don't think I was ready for him to kind of know to be exposed what, you know, those kind of things, what a drunk was in, pills and how can someone just beat their kid all the time and did you know that he did this and just the constant concern that Gavin was exposed to was really heartbreaking but um I guess I'll end it with the positive again of um can we help you on that yeah you help me I think the the biggest thing is that the the positive to end it with a positive note is that him being exposed to these kinds of things he understands what he doesn't want in his life. You know, he doesn't, he understands that this is, I can't believe somebody actually lived through that. And he was, he's been exposed to it and from a safe area. Yeah. And now he understands that like, I will never do that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, that's what my hope is. Cause yeah. my, and my number one thing that I love about kids is like you saying that Gavin had zero judgment. The adults will have more judgment than a kid will ever have. Like it doesn't matter what has happened. A kid will forgive and forget in 10 seconds or less. And that's one of the things I love about kids is they don't, they don't have that judgment about them. Like he, yeah, he left for five months and he was more concerned about him than anything else. And, you know, we were still hurt by the, the betrayal of, of this child. And I I just liked the way he was able to forgive him and just be glad that he's there and he's now he's in safe hands. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, he's still fearful with that. You know, they only have a 15 minute each conversation with their mom once a week. And Gavin hides on those days. He's like, I'm going to the skate park. He can't handle it because he is so terrified that those kids, you know, he asked me all the time, is she going to be able to get them back? Is she going to be able to get them back? And, you know, and he's constantly wanting reassurance from that still because he is so fearful. But I mean, I piggybacking on, you know, that is a really good positive that I kind of really need to focus more on, I think, personally, because he does see what he doesn't want. Like, even when Levi feels like he's owed everything, you know, he saw his mom just get handed everything. And if you throw a big enough fit and you people are scared that you're going to either beat them or abandon them or whatever and leading with guilt, um, you, that's not kind of how you get things. And when now when he sees those behaviors in Levi and he sees that, you know, Levi just takes things and Levi lies and steals, he knows he doesn't want that. Be And so it's almost made like him and Lexi be more honest. And they're, they'll come out and tell me things, you know, like I did this and I, I just want to make sure that you know about it. And they see how big trust is in our house and the truth will set them free because Levi has the most difficult time with it, I think, because he was the most exposed to his mom. Levi, Lexi kind of stayed more in the light. Well, and and Levi acted as a protector in the crazy situations, like helping her into her room and making sure that Lexi stayed away and wasn't as exposed to as much. Yeah. She may have heard a lot, but Levi sounds to me like he was kind of the protector. Oh, for sure. And in a way, like him holding back and staying back for that five months and ignoring me was his way of protecting her Yeah, of being able to let her still come over and, and, you know, and I don't know, in a weird way they had to act as this protection and their relationship is, I think pretty tight as much as they fight, they still have been through something that nobody else can ever as bad as that situation was, they can't, they, they bonded over that. It's just like in the military where the worst you put a group of people and make them go through the shittiest of times, they're going to be friends for probably the rest of their life because they can always go back to the suck, the the suck, embrace the suck. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so that, so that was kind of like our situation, you know, is crazy. Our situation is, you know, very unfortunate and neither one of us were prepared for this. We knew that when we got married, you know, that she was going to make things difficult, but we had no idea that we would be wrapped up a year and a half in a custody battle because of her, you know, continuous drinking and, breaking probation and beating people up. And, you know, we just thought that it was simple 
you know, and we even catch ourselves watching things on the news and we're like, how is she able to do this? Or how is she able to do that? And it just kind of started consuming our days. And she started living in our house. She started being a part of, you know, our every day. And so we have to schedule these times, you know, once a week where we talk about it, we check in with each other, we check in with the kids, um, see how they're feeling, you know, what can we do? And, you know, they're kind of just going through this weird transition right now anyways with the whole thing because it's been so long. Um, and so they're kind of at a loss for what their life is ahead of them. So we just want to thank you guys for listening. We want to make sure that if we can help you guys with anything, you know, it was really hard for us to do we put this out here? Do we not put this out here? You know, it's kind of a really sticky personal situation, but this is who we are. We're never apologetic for who we are. Craig and I have spent a lot of time getting to the point where we're strong enough to talk about it and to if we can help one person, then fuck, that's good enough for us. And so, you know, as we write our books and we build these brands and we really start putting ourselves out there, yes, it's scary, but I really kind of feel for me personally that all this kind of stuff happened to me for a reason because I would have never been able to be the type of parent and find that love and that unconditional love that I have for these kids and that I was able to feel because I always kept a really good wall up with them just so they never hurt me because I knew the things that they had to say to survive about me at their mom's house. And so, you know, even Lexi apologizes for it sometimes, or I'm so sorry I said that I didn't like you, or I'm so sorry that I did this. And, you know, and just making sure that she calls me mom and we have the special bond now. Um, I would have never, ever been able to feel that with another kid that's not my own ever. And so I just want to give a shout out to all of the step parents out there. Um, good for you guys know that this is a gift and you wouldn't have had this without them. So yeah, definitely be proud of that, the, the step parent role, because there's very few people that, um, can, can go through that and, um, be proud of it and just own it. Yeah. Don't have that shame with it because you didn't meet your high school sweetheart and have your kids. I mean, you're more challenged and more strong and have more tools than I think than a normal family who just get to flow with the everyday love, unconditional love, everything that has to do with the relationship is easy. Um, there's no separation that goes on in your home. And so, um, be proud of it. Like Craig said, and just, um, you know, put it out there, write us, let us know what you guys do in these type of situations. Um, if you think that we're crazy or we're doing something wrong, we want that feedback too. Um, and so we'd like to end this episode with a little game I like to call just the tip. So on the topic that we basically, that we talked about. So today's tip is going to be on parenting, whether it's someone else's kids, step parenting, whatever. So in that challenge, um, Craig, do you want to leave our listeners with a tip today? So my tip would be on, on this subject would, I'm going to just go off of what my grandma always said was just always love them. <laughs> no matter what, they're children and they, they don't mean to do, to do, to hurt you or do anything wrong in that way. And if you can just love them, everything will be all right. Yeah, that's really good. Sometimes it's hard when you just want to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> so.
send him to military school. Yeah. Um, so I guess my tip would be when you struggle with, I mean, me and Craig have these looks sometimes that we give each other. And when you're struggling with your stepkid because they did something just like your spouse's ex and you're like, oh, I can't stand that part of them. Look for the the, oh, yeah. the piece of them that's half your spouse. So when Levi and Lexi specifically do something that I'm like, oh my gosh, how, oh my gosh, I hate it when you do that. You act just like beep. I always look from like, oh my gosh, I love that she is just like her dad in this and he was able to pass that on. And I find the piece of Craig in them that I love so much. And I think that's one thing that I see in families that they're constantly able to do with their kids and just love them more because they have all of their husband and all of them and it's easier. But when you have half of them that's, you know, sneaks in there every once in a while and you just want to smack it out of them. It's, you know, just really focus on the part that's, that's your husband and the person that you love in them and just try to find that parenting string. Boom. I like that. Even if it's something that, that sometimes the kid will do something that you're like, Oh yeah, that's just like my, my, uh, my actual spouse, just like Andrea, Gavin's doing some just like Andrea, but it's the part that pisses me off. You're like, oh, wait a second, I've got to look a little deeper. <laughs> that was not part of my tip. Oh, that, that wasn't was, part of the tip? No, it's supposed to be a positive tip <laughs> or a tool for step parenting, not like no, a that, that is a really person. good thing because sometimes your stepkid will drive you fucking crazy and uh, you're like, oh my God, I, how how do I get out of this? How do I not? yell and scream and yeah uh, I think that has definitely been something that I has helped me through those tough times so thank you guys so much we hope that this helped and we're glad that we were able to have a platform and be vulnerable with you guys and get a little real about our story and kind of we've had so many questions about like why do you guys have your kids so were their parents and things like that so we just wanted to make sure that we put it all out here for you guys um and you um are a part of our journey as we go on this entrepreneurship and raise our family by our own rules and keep the outside noise and influence out and just do the best that we can um, and just stay true to who we are. So um, you can find me on Instagram, really, at kingdomsqueen and at kingdomsinsider.com. I'm getting ready to launch my clothing line in my store on July 1st, fingers crossed. We've been working really, really hard on that. Um, and then launching this podcast as a platform as we podcast all about it. And Craig, where can they find you? On Instagram at Coach Craig and then on Facebook at Craig McCarroll. Um, we should, I should be having my, um, my uh, 21 day end doc be releasing, uh, real active real soon. So get on there. I've got some sweet hats that I just got made there for those active people out there that actually like to work out with a hat on. It's got a built-in sweatband and stuff. It's pretty cool. But come check us out and hit me up. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you there.